All right, good morning, everybody. Pastor Paul here at the home office for Oaks Church. It is Friday, yes, October 29th. This is our last devotional of the week. And if you're new to this game, we do 10 to 15 minutes every weekday morning um, on a portion of scripture and we work our way through it. And right now we're doing what we're calling Romans Rewind. See, we're preaching through the book of Romans on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks, but Romans obviously is so rich and deep and theologically um, uh, just there's so much depth there that we don't have time to get into every jot and tittle on a Sunday morning. So what we're doing is we're taking this time during the week to unpack or highlight a portion of the text maybe that we didn't get to or didn't get to spend as much time on. Now, as we do this, you are more than welcome to send in your questions. So paul.gilbert at fouroakschurch.com, and we will see if we can get to it. Now, here it is, Friday morning, and we're the, this is going to be the last commentary we have on Romans 3, 27 and following, uh, which was our text back in uh, last week. Um, the Sunday will be in Romans chapter 4. We'll pick up Romans 4 on Monday back here. But let me read the text again and then focus on something that we haven't really talked about to this point. Verse 27 in chapter 3, Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Now, one of the things that Paul has been keen to do, both in this text and in the one following, is to show that it was always God's design to save his people by grace. And that the Old Testament, while there was a different administration of grace, remember that was through the sacrificial system as the sign and seal of the need for a permanent sacrifice, it was still through faith. Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. And that principle of faith was operative for Old Testament saints and then become realized for New Testament saints through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul has gone to great pains to show us not only was it always by grace, but in fact, the law and the prophets, all the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus, um, pointing to um, his coming, his sacrificial death, his death on the cross for sins. And Paul is wanting to show us the continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament or the New Covenant. Now, look at verse 31. This is interesting because Paul is, again, anticipating a question, um, maybe from those people from a Jewish background who might hear all this and say, well, since Christ has come, are you saying, Paul, that we throw out the law entirely? What do we do with the Old Testament? And this is where Paul, Paul says in verse 31, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? And he says, by no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And I think what Paul is pointing us here to is a, is a clue as to how we are to intersect and engage with the Old Testament, Old Testament law. Jesus, of course, addressed this um, specifically in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to flip over there. Remember that the only Bible of the early church was the Old Testament. 
And remember that um, it was still upheld um, as the word of God by the early church, and of course, and still is. And what we find in, in Romans, for example, is that Paul quotes the Old Testament extensively. So obviously, he sees its ongoing relevance and authority for us. But we want to ask how exactly, because let's be honest, there's a lot of strange things, uh, at least strange to our ear, ears in the Old Testament. And what, what does Jesus say about this particular issue? So let's look at Matthew 5. This is a Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Okay. Actually, let me keep reading. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, remember, the scribes and Pharisees, we like to think about them as being particularly holy, but Jesus knew they were not. Jesus knew they were corrupt on the inside. And so when he says your righteousness must surpass that of the, of the scribes and Pharisees, he's not, this is not hyperbole or exaggeration or a play on words. It's actually true. Um, they didn't take the law seriously. They pretended like they did, but inwardly they were corrupt and hypocritical. But Jesus says here very clearly, when he comes, he doesn't abolish the Old Testament. In fact, he fulfills it. And so, which means that the law was always pointing to Jesus. The, all, the law in the Old Testament was always preparing the way for Jesus. And then Jesus goes on to say, whoever relaxes any of these laws or tosses them out, um, he promises um, a, a condemnation, a judgment for doing that. So this is this is serious business. What are we to do with the Old Testament? Well, in, in the Old Testament law, there was three kinds of laws, okay? One was the moral law, broadly speaking, which we would say is contained in the Ten Commandments. There was the ceremonial law, which was the law to be followed um, for worship and initiation and rituals and sacrifice and blood offerings. And then there was the civil law by which um, the day-to-day -day life and authority and government and the politic of the Israelites was to be gut, judged. All these were under the accordance with God's law. Well, when Jesus came, we obviously know one thing that he's affirming here is that the moral law is still with us in full effect. The moral law, the Ten Commandments, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Have have no gods before him. Um, you know, honor your father and mother. Do not commit adultery. No lying, um, stealing, murder, or coveting. No bearing false witness against your neighbor. All of these Old Testament laws, these moral laws, are fulfilled. Meaning Jesus, they they pointed to Jesus, but Jesus has met the full requirements of the law um, by his obedience. And so Jesus said, I haven't come to abolish this law. Now, but what about the civil law? What about the ceremonial law? Well, it seems that, that Hebrews is very clear in telling us that the sacrificial system, the Levitical sacrificial system used in the temple um, is obsolete. It's void. Um, blood of bulls and goats was offered day after day in the temple um, for the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. But we now know that Jesus himself was the sacrifice. He went... His blood was sprinkled on the Holy of Holies, metaphorically, and 
he has made propitiation for our sins. So this means that we no longer need those Levitical sacrifices because Jesus has died once and all for the forgiveness of sins. And then when it comes to the civil law, dietary laws, how to dress, um, the, the rules of the government, very interesting what is told to us by Mark in Mark chapter 7. You can flip again over there, Matthew, Mark, Luke. So Mark chapter 7, Jesus is having a debate with the Pharisees about the law, of course. And Mark tells us something very, very important in here. Um, so look at verse chapter 7, verse 14 of Mark. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? And then in parentheses, thus he declared all foods clean. Very interesting, isn't it? Um, there were many, many dietary laws and restrictions for Jews based upon the Levitical code, the civil code. Well, Jesus is now saying those aren't what's important. What goes into a person is not what makes him unclean. It's what comes out of a person, out of his heart, that makes him unclean. And then Mark notes, and remember, Mark was writing years after this, makes the commentary, thus Jesus declares all foods clean, meaning Jesus abolishes the food laws. We know he, he has abolished the Levitical laws. And um, we know he's, um, he's abolished the civil laws. Remember that in uh, 1 Timothy, Paul is making an, an analogy, and he talks about not muzzling the ox while it's treading out the grain. And that was from, again, the Old Testament. It was a law about how to treat your animals to feed them. And, and so Paul is using that illustration as to why um, ministers should be compensated. But what he does is he takes that law and uses the principle that's behind it. Okay, And that's the same way we look to the Old Testament now. All of the moral law is fully fulfilled in Christ and is um, relevant, pertinent for us. This is what it means to walk in holiness. This is what it means to walk in Christ-likeness. Jesus has not set that aside, but he has set aside the civil laws, okay, that govern a society and culture. We no longer live in a theonomy, okay, uh, a government, human government ruled by God, um, nor do we observe the Levitical laws because Jesus has fulfilled those in their entirety. But we still look to the underlying principles, right? We still look to the the, the grain, the kernels of truth that lie embedded in those Old Testament laws so that we know um, what to do for ourselves. So, for example, it was part of the Old Testament law that you had to build a parapet on your roof. So in the ancient Mediterranean culture, ancient Near East culture, it's very cool at night. People would set up their tables, chairs, um, outdoor furniture, and sit on the roof or the patio at night, okay, uh, high above the crowns, they could catch the cool breeze, and it was just part of the way they entertained outdoors. Well, the law said, if you're going to have one of those, make sure to build guardrails around the uh, the parapet, right? You want to make sure that no one falls off and injures themselves accidentally. It's an application of the law to love your neighbor. Well, we typically now don't have rooftop entertaining, okay, or at least on our homes, but the same principle applies. How do we love our neighbor when our neighbor's at our house? We 
love our neighbor by making sure our dog doesn't attack him and hurt him. We love our neighbor by being hospitable, by, by offering food and drink and conversation. We, we love our neighbor by inviting our neighbor over. Um, we make sure that we're not out to, to harm or defame our neighbor. We want to uphold their honor. And you can see on and on and on how you can apply these sorts of um, the, the general principles of the law to specific law situations. And that's why we can say, along with Paul, God, that Jesus has not set aside the law. He's fulfilled it. He has not abolished it. He holds it up. And now we ask for his wisdom from the Spirit to know how to walk in his word. All right, so that's our lesson for today. We'll be back here Monday. It'll be November 1st, which means Halloween will have already happened, which means we will be sick of eating all of our kids' candy, and it's going to be an awesome thing. So anyway, hope you have a great weekend. Let me pray. Lord, we ask now that you would uphold your law in our hearts and that we would have a sense of awe about our relationship with you and that we would pursue holiness, not in our power, but in the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.